Hi, this is David and Barbie Cooper. Thank you for listening to the podcast today. It's always a privilege to share this time with you. Remember to subscribe to our podcast and follow us on social media. And for more information and resources to help you grow in your walk with the Lord, go to mountperrin.com. Thank you for your generous support. It helps the ministry greatly. Do you ever feel like the world's spinning out of control? Today we're going to talk about God being in control. As we look at Hebrews chapter 2, verses 5 through 11, there are times we feel like the whole world's spinning out of control. But the Bible tells us that God is sovereign. God is in control. That doesn't mean he causes everything, but he's governing everything. He keeps it all in balance. He keeps it all in order, directing history toward the fulfillment of his promise. Jesus reigns as Lord today. And he will return again at the end of this age to reign as King of kings and Lord of lords. And the book of Hebrews exalts the supremacy of Jesus as Lord over history so that we don't need to fear the future. Well, here in Hebrews chapter 2, beginning with verse 5, the writer of Hebrews reminds us of the world to come. We're living in a present world. And yes, sometimes it's a chaotic world and it feels like it might be spinning out of control. A lot of things happen in history and in politics and economics. And sometimes wars come and go and it creates a tremendous sense of instability at times. We're going through a time like that right now in history. But history will go through these chaotic times and it'll settle down. It goes in and out of these ups and downs. But it reminds us that even though this present world is in the state it's in, sometimes of sin and suffering and difficulty and Yes, chaos, and sometimes feel like it's a little bit out of control. There's also a world to come. God's directing history toward an ultimate goal. And so the writer of Hebrews begins to talk to us about the world to come as well. And we should always remember there's a world to come while we're living in this world that sometimes feels a bit out of control. Let's begin with verse 5, Hebrews chapter 2. He says, it is not to the angels that he, God, has subjected the world to come about which we are speaking. But there is a place where someone is testified, and this is Psalm verse 8. What is mankind that you are mindful of him? A son of man that you care for him? You, God, made him a little lower than the angels, and you crowned them with glory and honor and put everything under their feet. That's from the 8th Psalm, and the writer of Hebrews says that when God created us, he created us to rule and to reign. But sin entered the world, and now the world is in a state sometimes of being out of control. But he reminds us that there is a world to come. Now, the point of this is to say that God created us a little lower than the angels, crowned us with glory and honor, gave us dominion, and put everything under our feet. Yet, because of our sin and our fall, we're not governing the world very well, are we? We were put here to govern. We were put here to manage. And because of sin in the world, We've not done a very good job managing the world. And so the world, yes, at times feels like it's out of control, but we're the reason for that, not God. We're the ones because of sin and sinful leaders that get in these government positions and make horrible policies. And we've seen tyrants and dictatorships. How much suffering has been brought to the world because of evil people in authority? We were put here to rule and reign in peace and to govern the animals and the planet. You look at sometimes the abuse of the environment. We've polluted our rivers and our waters, our air. We have the consequences of that. That's a mismanagement of the world. That's what sin does. Sin is the destructive force in the human heart 
And people sometimes govern out of a place of tyranny and a lack of wisdom. We don't consult God, and we've seen this throughout the course of history. But in the middle of all of that, God is in control. And that's the point of the writer of Hebrews, is to realize the world's always going to go through these growing pains because it's, it's sinful. It's a place of suffering, but God's not left us. But there is a world to come, a perfect world to come when Jesus returns. Now he speaks of the present world and what's going on now. Even though God put us here to rule and reign and there's a lot of mismanagement, how do we live in this world? Well, he goes on to write here in Hebrews chapter two, in putting everything under them, that's them as you and me under humanity, God left nothing that is not subject to them. Yet at present, In other words, we have the power to rule and to govern, and because of sinfulness, we mismanage. At the present times, we don't see everything subject to them. That's what I'm talking to you about now. We look around the world today, you watch the news, it doesn't look like we got a grip on everything. We don't see everything subject to us. We're not ruling and reigning very well. We see chaos, and that's what he pointed out. You see difficulty. You see government disruptions, kingdom against kingdom, nation against nation, as kingdom Jesus described the world. We don't see everything calm. We don't see everything managed well today in this present world. But in spite of all the chaos in the world, we do see Jesus. Now, this is a great secret of life, what you see, your vision. If you just look at the world events and look at the news, you're going to have fear and apprehension, anxiety, depression. But you've got to see beyond the current state of things. Keep your faith on Jesus. He's King of kings, Lord of lords. He's coming again. God is governing. Even though we live in a world that feels like it's out of control, God has his hand on the world. He sets boundaries. He's making sure it's all moving toward its right conclusion. But he says, we see Jesus. Our faith is focused on Jesus. He goes on in chapter three, verse one, to tell us to fix our thoughts on Jesus. Hebrews 12 and 2, to fix your eyes on Jesus. Keep looking at Jesus. He's Savior, He's Lord, He's King of Kings. He's returning again. Always keep your eyes on Him, even in a world that feels like it's out of control. And He says that Jesus, like us, when He came into this world, was made lower than the angels in His humanity for just a little while, for the 35 years He was here. Now, though, at this present moment, Jesus is crowned with glory and honor. Because he suffered death, that means on the cross, so that by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. Jesus came into this world, the Son of God. He was subject to humanity, but he gave his life on the cross, and now he reigns as Lord, and he says, don't just keep looking at all the negative things in the world. Look at Jesus. Focus on Jesus, your Savior. Your Savior is with you. The Lord of hosts is with you. That'll give you faith and hope and love. Let's go back through this passage when he says, We know there's a world to come, but we're living in this present world. At present, what do we see? Well, first of all, he reminds us that we do see things out of control. Look at the phrase, things that are not subject to us. We should be in charge. We should be ruling and reigning. We should be governing the world in peace, but we're not. Sin has entered the world. Suffering is in the world. Evil men and women sometimes get in positions of power and abuse that power. We don't see everything under control, but that's the present world that we're living in. But remember, there is a world to come. But even though we live in the present world where things sometimes are extremely chaotic and difficult and frightening, what we do see Jesus. 
You know, in the book of Acts, we read after the coming of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost that Stephen, one of the leaders of the early church, was brought before this council and accused of heresy because he was preaching that Jesus was resurrected and he began to quote Old Testament scriptures, showing them Jesus as Messiah. And some of them were so furious. They got caught up in a demonic rage. They drug him out in the streets of the city and began to stone him to death. But the Bible says he opened his eyes. He saw into heaven. And he said to those who wanted to end his life, I see Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And then he fell asleep. Even in a martyr's death, the Lord protected him. It doesn't say they killed him. It didn't say the stones killed him. It says he fell asleep. God's grace was with him in the final moments of his life. But even though he was facing an execution as a martyr, what did he see? The angry mob? He said, I see Jesus. Now you can look at the news all day. You can listen to the conservatives and the liberals and the radicals. There's so many political streams in the world today. There's so many changing world events. There's so many messages. People getting canceled. Something's called misinformation. The other group calls it information. This stuff will just cause your anxiety level to go off the chart. If that's all you see, you're going to live in fear. But I choose like the book of Hebrews today to see Jesus. My eyes are fixed and focused on my Savior, my King, my Lord. I know God has established His throne in the heavens and His kingdom rules over all. That's found in Psalm 103 and verse 19. God is in control. Jesus is Lord. If you look at Jesus, if you remember that God's in control, it'll help you put in perspective all the news, all the changing world events. It'll give you peace in a world of panic. He reminds us three things that we see by Jesus. His incarnation, he came into this world. Incarnation means that he took on a physical body. That's what that word means. He says he was made lower than the angels for a little while, just like us. He shared our humanity. We'll go on to learn here in Hebrews 2.14. He says that exactly. Jesus shared our humanity. So we do remember that Jesus came born in Bethlehem. He lived among us. He had an earthly body. He was tempted like as we were in all points yet without sin. We should think often about the fact that the Son of God cared enough for us to share our humanity, to be made lower than the angels in that short, brief period of time, to identify with us, to let us know how much God loves us. Anybody can love you from a distance, but Jesus loved us up close. He came into this world to be with us, to remind us that God has not abandoned us. Keep your mind on that. We see Jesus in his incarnation. We see Jesus in his ascension. He says here in Hebrews 2, the passage we're looking at, Jesus is now crowned with glory and honor because he was raised from the dead. He returned to heaven. He's king of kings and Lord of lords. Revelation eleven fifteen says, Now the kingdoms of this world have become the kingdom of our God and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. But we see Jesus crowned today with glory and honor. That's why we worship him and confess him as Lord of our lives. And his lordship means the world is not out of control. And he says, third of all, we see his redemption. He says that he suffered death. So by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. Jesus died on that cross for you, for your sins and for mine. And he said it was an act of the grace of God, the gift of God. 
God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. In this present world, we do see things out of control. It's a world of sin and suffering. Mankind is not ruling and reigning very well. Things are not subject to us. They're out of control. But in the middle of it, we as Christians, we see Jesus. And he is crowned with glory and honor. And he's Lord of lords. And God is governing this world. And he reminds us of a final truth here, that in this world, because of our faith in Jesus you and I are now part of the family of God. Family is so important. Sometimes people don't have a family or they have a dysfunctional family. But you know, when you become a Christian, you become part of the family of God. You've got a lot of brothers and sisters in this world that love you and care about you and pray for you. So he ends this passage here in Hebrews chapter 2, verses 5 to 11. Let's read this carefully. He says, in bringing many sons and daughters to glory. This is what Jesus did through the cross. He brought us to glory. What does that mean? Well, Romans 3 and 23 says, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But Jesus has forgiven us of our sins and restored in us the glory of God. And in bringing us back to the glory of God, back into relationship with our Father, it was fitting that God, for whom and through whom everything exists, should make the pioneer of their salvation perfect through what he suffered. What does that mean? Well, Jesus is the pioneer of our salvation. He's the one that brought us eternal life. The word perfect here means to complete something, to finish something. It was through the sufferings of the cross that Jesus perfected, completed, finished the work of redemption. Remember how he prayed from the cross in his last moments? It is finished. So you don't need more religion. You don't have to keep some religious rules. You don't have to try to work your way to heaven. The author of our salvation, Jesus, is a perfect savior. He's completed the work of redemption. You can come to Christ today, receive the grace of God, receive forgiveness of your sins, receive eternal life as a free gift because of what he suffered for you. Both the one who makes people holy, and that's God, and those who are made holy are of the same family. You can't make yourself holy. I mean, special, unique, consecrated to God, set apart for God's service. You see, when you accept Jesus as your Savior, He makes you holy. He brings you into the family of God. He gives you the glory that we lost through the fall of Adam and Eve. But we are now of the same family. He means Jesus and us. We're all in the same family. So Jesus, this is an amazing statement here. Look at this. Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters. Now, every now and again, you know, you might have a family member you're ashamed of. They act kind of crazy. But the Lord is never ashamed to call us his brothers and sisters. He shared our humanity. It's hard to, to comprehend Jesus as our older brother. It's a, but that's a, a concept that you and I can understand. I have an older brother, and I certainly can't compare him to Jesus. He loves me, cares about me, pretty tough on me. But I understand the concept that when you're born again through faith, you become part of the family of God. And even one of the pictures of Jesus is our older brother. He came and shared our humanity. He's not ashamed of us. He's not ashamed of us to call us his family. And maybe some of you have lost your family or been alienated from your family. I've known people that were rejected by their family because of their faith in Christ. But you're a part of a greater family, an eternal family. And I hope that you'll find joy in that today, knowing that you're not alone. He reminds us Jesus came to this world to bring us to glory, bring the glory of God back in our lives. 
because we have the shame of sin. And he reminds us that Jesus is the perfect Savior. You don't need to look for salvation in any other religious leader. He's the perfect Savior. And he makes us holy, special, unique, restores us to glory and honor when we receive him as our Savior. What a great truth to end on today that you and I are brothers and sisters. We're in the family of God. And that's the greatest family of which you can be a part. When you put your faith in Jesus, he becomes your older brother as well as your Savior. You are now in the family of God. Join me for prayer. Lord, today we thank you for the the assurance of your word. We thank you for these amazing insights in the book of Hebrews to understand more fully what Jesus has done for us. And what a joy to know that in a world that sometimes feels like it's out of control, Father, you are in control. Jesus, you reign as Lord over all. And today we find comfort and peace knowing that you are in control of our lives. We bless you today. We give you praise in Jesus' name. You know, maybe today you accepted Christ as your Savior. Maybe today you're looking to Jesus. Maybe recently you've become a Christian. We want to send you my book, Fresh Start, as a gift to you, help you begin to grow in your faith in Christ. Make sure you get your copy today as a gift to you. Now, on our Bible study, Dig Deep Every Week, I want you to share, subscribe to it yourself. Now, just watch it occasionally. Hit subscribe, share Let's pass the word of God on to others. Let's build the Mount Perrin family. Let's make disciples as Jesus taught us to do by sharing the word of God with them. I love you. I'm praying for you. I'm looking forward to seeing you in church this Sunday on campus or online. We're going to have an amazing day on the Lord's Day. Thank you for your gracious and faithful and generous support of the Mount Perrin ministries and our missions work all over the world. Thank you for everything you're doing for the kingdom of God and for the Mount Perrin ministry. I pray that you'll have incredible day. Thank you again for joining me. I trust the message has been an encouragement to you today. Remember to follow us on social media and connect with us at mountperrin.com. I'll see you right here next week for a fresh message from God's Word.